You're listening to Pain to Power Podcast, a series of inspirational stories from world-class leaders and high achievers, where you will hear all about past traumas, hardships, and getting through the pain, fighting against all odds, dominating goals and dreams, and now impacting lives. I am your host, Kayla Cardona. This is the podcast that will have you realize your own vision of success, regardless of your circumstances, to unlock your potential. Welcome to Pain to Power. Let's go. Welcome back. So today I want to get into something that I feel like is extremely common and I see really, really often. Uh, The other day I was having a conversation with my son's teacher and she mentioned that she asked him what he wants to be when he grows up. Uh, That is a frequently asked question that children get all the time, right? I'm sure you've been asked that one point in your life too. And uh, before he gave her his answer, she told me that he hesitated and was thinking for a bit. She then told me that she helped him by saying what she thought he would be good at. So she said, a cop. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't even know why she say, said that, but that's, that was her answer. Uh, so after hearing her explain all of this, I thought that that was actually very interesting. So when I saw him that day, I asked him the same question. And of course, because he was already asked that he had, you know, time to think about it. So he, his answer was quick. Uh, And he actually told me that he wanted to be uh, a realtor like me. But then, of course, I told him, you know, Jordan, you don't have to feel like you need to say what I do. Uh, We're two different, completely different people. Uh, And the the conversation went on after that. But it really got me thinking. We are asked that question at such an early age before We even have any life experience. So it's like we have this obligation to come up with an answer. Like every kid needs to know what they want to do. They even have, you know, projects to talk about what they want to be when they grow up. So let's just say I'm a kid and I say my dream is to be an astronaut. I feel like that's like the most commonly used one. And um, all the parents and teachers are, you know, they say, oh, that's amazing, and that's wonderful, and inspiring, and dream big. But then when they get to a certain age, like preteens, early teens, their minds change. Your Their interest changes, and you're a bit older, and you start liking new things or disliking other things. So you're now, now your dream is changing. But because they're not that young, where their dreams were so big at one point, they have the same conversation with their teachers or parents or, you know, whatever adults they talk to in their lives. It is very rare that you'll hear a preteen or or teen say that they want to be an astronaut or anything that uh, they said that they wanted to be at at a much younger age. So their big dream turns into something a bit more realistic, like maybe, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever their parents may have started molding into their head, or, or even um, 
what their parents are like me I'm a realtor so my son said realtor so um so 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 I watch what happens when they were so much younger and they're what they said before about dreaming so big but you know by the time they're 12 13 they're being told from adults that they would be a good cop or a doctor or lawyer or whatever and so that already is teaching them that they can be whoever they want. They just need to be more realistic on top of having that pressure. Like they need to know uh, or have an answer because if you ask a kid today what they want to be when they grow up and they say, you know, I don't know. It's like the parents or teachers or whoever is taken back by that. Like, how could you not know? So it's no wonder why so many teens and young adults or even adults today feel so lost and confused because most think it's something you need to know already from a young age. Like they already put that in your, in your head uh, by asking you that question and like, you're supposed to have it all figured out and it, and like if it's something that you're born with or if it comes naturally. I had no clue I would ever be in real estate. I literally have no one in my family that's ever been in real estate, let alone investments. I've, I actually had no clue I would ever, ever even have a podcast. Um, you know, finding your passions and figuring out what you love comes after you have experienced many other things. I've been in the beauty industry for nine years before starting my real estate career. How the hell do you go from the beauty industry to real estate industry? But if it wasn't for my years of experience in hair, I'm not sure if I would have ever decided on you know getting into, into the real estate world. So what does this have to do with you? I promise, promise this is going to be, be good, okay? So just hear me out. Uh, so I started off doing women's hair right after I graduated. And after a couple of years, I learned, well, I kill it with hair extensions and makeup and styling, but I suck at color correction and foils. No matter how much I practiced and practiced and went to all the classes, I just couldn't get it. So I sucked, I, I stuck with what I knew and I, I was good at, good at it. And I, you know, focused on that and per perfected my skills and, you know, I just kept going with that. But then I realized I really, really hate women's hair. <laughs> so I got into men's hair and guess what? I really sucked at that too. I was terrible. I would even mess up so many times that I would beg other experienced hairdressers to please finish it for me because I really did not want to mess them up. It was so bad. But I noticed, you know, I had a different feeling when, when I did men's hair. Uh, it's a whole different animal. It's like shaping and molding. And that's when I learned I have an amazing eye for detail. I noticed the lines and patches that many other people didn't even see. So that sparked an interest in me. So I stayed with it. 
And I just kept going and practicing and messing up a million times, but I still kept going and I, and I very slowly got better. And the more I got better, the more I loved it. The feeling that I didn't get, even when I got good at my skills with women's hair. So as I got better and better, you know, I started getting more comfortable and started talking with my clients more and more. I had a lot of experience with sales and retail before. So I've dealt with customers, of course, but doing hair is something much more personal. You're getting to know them on a regular basis and everyone knows a hairdresser always ends up being a therapist too. So I got exposed to a lot of different types of people, having deeper conversations and learning about their life and experiences. So that helped me with my people skills tremendously. I learned what questions to ask and what not to ask, etc. <clears throat> I learned even more about sales on a personal level, like how to sell without selling them. I got so good and became the top sales in product at every salon and barbershop that I worked at because I learned the most important thing, just looking out for the client and honesty. I didn't sell them because I knew I was going to make a commission. I sold them what I knew they needed or would, you know, be based on what they wanted by listening to them and then educating them on the products. And I would tell them, you know, no, don't buy that. You won't like it. And if I need it, I would tell them to go with a different product. We don't sell. And because I know they will love it. Did I make money on that? No. Did my salon lose money from that? Yeah. But I didn't care because I knew what was best for them. And if that means buying something somewhere else, then go buy it. So, of course, naturally, they became the most loyal clients because they always knew I was always very honest with them. And then later, you know, I ended up carrying those products and made money uh, down the line. I never made them feel pressured. I would have them try something or take home a used product or something and try it at home to see if they liked it first. And then they would always come back and buy more. So during that time, I always had another job. Uh, for those that are new, uh, if you go back to my first episode, it gives you an idea of, of my story and my background and where I came from. So it'll give you a better understanding. Uh, so, uh, like what I was saying, I, I always had another job when you work for someone under a corporate salon, that is not enough to pay the bills, especially in South Orange County. So I always had another job where I explored other things. When I say I've done it all, I really mean it. I have done it all. I've done, um, MLM multi-level marketing. I was an Excellus technician. I got into the fitness world with competing. So I even tried looking into being a personal trainer. I interned to be a financial advisor. I even went to pilot school, but you know, that didn't last very long because that was not cheap. <laughs> um, I kind of became infamous for doing multiple things and I used to take it as a compliment for a long time. And I used to be very proud. I didn't know anything about focusing on that one thing until way later in my life, but I'll, I'll save that for another episode. So over time, 
I was able to save up enough money and became so good with men's hair, uh, became far more confident and building a loyal customer base. Then eventually I decided to let go of anything else I was doing and only focus on that one thing and, and got my own salon suite where I ran my, my own business. I learned all the skills of being independent and working for myself. I mean, I'm talking about from tiny details, from negotiations of furniture and product to online marketing, what works, what doesn't work. I even learned, you know, the downfall of devaluing yourself, like discounting your services just to get people in the door. Mm -hmm. I actually ended up going negative in my numbers because of that. So, you know, then I eventually had to get more clients to make up for that and retaining them and, you know, budgeting, spreadsheets, the list goes on. I later decided, well, I'm only doing men's hair, so why don't I go and just get my barber license? So I did. I went back to school part-time, picked up more skills, and just kept getting better and better. Now, I can do a clean-ass fade and give you the best, most relaxing straight razor shave you've ever had. So I mastered what I wanted to do. But that was it. I feel like I didn't feel challenged anymore. I got really comfortable. And I had a moment where I realized, you know, is this, is this it? I mean, I love cutting hair, but I had to be really honest with myself and think, okay, what is it about cutting hair that I love so much? And then it hit me. I had nothing to do with hair. It was the people, the conversations, the exposure to different people's lives, the relationships that were built, the experiences, the challenges I faced, all the learning curves along the way. So I really, so really quick, I, I want to point something out. So keep that in your in your head. Keep that in your thoughts. Uh, even though I was born and raised in Orange County, Orange County, California, you guys, I didn't really experience Orange County until about like 26, 27. I'm 30 right now. I'm dead serious. <laughs> the parting phase I went through was when I was around like 19, 20. Uh, but I went out with my friends to like Hollywood, LA area. So and yes, I got into like 21 and older, older clubs and everything. So, <laughs> but I never went out in Orange County. I never went to restaurants. I never even, uh, I've never even been to a concert. <laughs> a lot of people were like, what? You've never been to a concert? Yeah, I know. Weird. Um, and, uh, you know, thank God that that phase didn't last long. But on my 21st birthday, I got my job in nightclubs and worked pretty much every night, every weekend. So I looked at that as my going out. I even got into, you know, hosting. <laughs> yes, I was that girl that was on the flyers and getting paid just to show up. So my mindset became, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not going out. So I really didn't go out. I barely had friends, but I didn't really care to have friends. Even at the salons I worked at, all the girls always had their, you know, cliques and groups and go to lunch together and talk about, you know, what they did the weekend before. And, and then, you know, I was just there. I was a complete loner. 
<laughs> I mean, I would hang out around here and there, but never ever outside of work ever. For example, um, at one of the salons I used to work at, uh, lunch was at the same time every day. So all the stylists would go to lunch and one person needed to stay for that one hour uh, just in case they had walk-ins. I was that one person. And I took my lunch later than everyone and I ate alone, but I wanted that. I chose to be that. Um, even at the clubs, I never ever hang out with a coworker outside of work. I just got my money and I went home. Um, I had hundreds of acquaintances. I, I knew so many people, but they were never my friends spending, you know, personal time. So anyways, the clientele I built were all higher end. I mean, my haircuts start at $45 and they tipped very well. Again, it was just, you know, it wasn't just a cut. It was an experience. Okay. I gave them beer, wine, you know, you get what you pay for. So men clientele is very, very different than women clientele, as you probably would have guessed. So men talk mostly about business and, and solutions, which I very, very much prefer than gossip or talk about other people's lives that I really don't care about. And I had so many clients that were in the real estate um, world uh, or were investors. So that's where they, all the ideas started kind of coming in. Then I had a few clients mention that I would be such a good realtor because how I am with people. So that sparked an interest in me, but I found, but I did find it very interesting that it was multiple people telling me the same thing. So going back to my story earlier, I went through this moment where I'm like, oh crap, I need to get more clients. And that means I need to like really get out and put myself out there. So I started going out to meet new people, saying yes to invitations and networking events. And of course, meeting new people, you get more invites and so on and so forth. So I started really getting to know more and more people around Orange County. But of course, I wanted to keep my higher end clientele. So that means, you know, going to the nicer places and restaurants. And that's when I really started getting exposed to that real estate world. I feel like everyone and their mom is a realist, is a realtor in uh, Orange County. It's funny. Or, or loan, uh, loan officer, you know, mortgages. <laughs> uh, then, then after some time, I realized I, I really don't want to cut hair for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, but I just know that that isn't going to take me where I want to go in my life. So I decided to get my real estate license. I studied every day for hours around work and my son's time. And I am not a test taker. Okay. Um, well, I'm, okay. I'm learning to not describe myself in a certain way. I have a history of being a really bad test taker. Um, I'm working on it, but, uh, I just, it's, it's difficult for me to retain information, uh, but I passed the very first time. So for those that are interested um, in knowing how I did that, just visit my YouTube channel, Arcaela Cardona, where you will find um, a video on some tips I used to pass the first time. I only have like two videos up right now, but make sure to subscribe because I'll be posting more videos coming soon. Um, and 
now I am working full time in this industry. And let me tell you, it is not easy, but I get excited every single time I get into the office at 830 in the morning, ready to work. And, you know, based on all my other experiences, all my other jobs, I, I never really, I didn't have that feeling of excitement every day going into work. So I know for a fact that, you know, I'm on the right path. So what does that have to do with you? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made it this far. This is now where it's going to get really good. So how can you find your passion? If you guys want to write this down, make notes or something, um, I suggest it. Or if you're driving, just make sure you refer back to this. Uh, So I just put together a few bullet points. Um, Number one, first and foremost, you need to take accountability. If you are unhappy with where you are now or the job you have, understand that it's you that needs to change it. It's your choice because if you don't, then you're basically saying it's out of your hands. That is this person's fault. It's that person's fault. And you know, it's your circumstance that you're in and there's nothing you can do and that you have no control, but then you stay stagnant and you stay stuck and you're, you're losing that power. I needed to get honest with myself. I needed to make a change, even though it felt so uncomfortable to change from what I already knew so well. You know how hard it is to walk away from something you built from the ground up? It may not have been a multi-million dollar business, but from where I came from and where I started, I was very proud of of what I accomplished and, and what I built. And you have to take full accountability with everything about yourself and your life. For example, when you, you know, say you feel like crap, you have to keep in mind that if you're feeling like that, you have to remind yourself that it's you that is allowing yourself to feel that way. It's not that person. It's not what happened today. It's your decision to keep feeling that way. I'm not saying. <clears throat> Sorry, my, my voice gets dry. Hold on for a second. I usually notice that my, my voice gets like this, like after a long day of work, and <laughs> I get tired. So you guys know, oh yeah, this is, I'm recording this at the end of my day. I should start doing recordings like in the morning where I'm like well and alive, not dying. <laughs> Uh, so I don't like getting off subject. What was I saying? So, you know, when you feel like crap, it's all up to you, right? It's your decision to keep feeling that way. And, you know, I'm not saying you're not allowed to feel negative or anything. Of course you're human. You're, you're allowed to feel negative feelings sometimes, but to continue to feel that way is a decision. Some of you may argue, you know, well, what if I'm literally stuck with my job for any re- reason it may be? Okay. Let's just say that's the case for you. Okay. Stick with that. Stick with what you have now and be the best that you can be and work on what you want on the side. 
are you willing to, you know, put in the work and the time and the energy to work on your own dreams? You know, you got to ask yourself with the situation that you're in now, you know, you got to change your perspective and ask, what could I be doing differently? What could I do to make my work experience and environment be the very best it can be? for myself and everyone else around me. How can I make this company more money? How can I be the very best at what I do? And be honest with yourself. If you do the most minimal work and you're watching the clock till the hour to go home and you're the first one to leave, then you're probably not doing your absolute best, regardless if you like it or not. If you know you're literally stuck there and you can't leave quite yet, then Why not make it the best you can? Master what you're doing there or now. First, because what you learn and gain from that will get you ready and prepared for the next chapter of your life. I hated working those corporate salons. I got paid crap and and got write-ups like I was in freaking high school. I hated the idea that I was working so much and so much of my earnings was going to the owner. I hated it but I knew that this is going to teach me everything necessary to get me prepared for when I'm ready to move on on my own. And I made it the best that I could. The owner even had me teach classes on selling because he wanted everyone to hit the numbers I was hitting. And I was the newbie. And that's also when I really learned that I love teaching uh, people and helping people. See, the more experiences, the more you learn about yourself. By never being the victim, you will be able to do the things you need to do to get what you want. So you have to think, if I am the problem, then I am the solution, okay? So the second thing, try new things. Hello, I was the ultimate jack of all trades. Master at some, okay, you know, maybe one. I wish I would have known this much sooner, but I became aware and awake and realized, you know, something needs to change. Doing multiple things was great to learn what you like and don't like, but you need to pay attention to what sparks your interest the very most and then decide that it's going to be your thing and focus on that one thing. Yes, even, you know, through the boring parts and the different stages and and the the hard times and, you know, what comes with it. That's why it's so important to, to allow your kids to try all sorts of things at a young age. And if you're much older, it's never, ever, ever too late to find your passion and work on it. Because at first, the, the very, very, very worst thing that can happen is, you know, regret that you never even gave it a real chance, right? Um, when I, when I listen to, uh, older, older people. And you, is there, they're, they're very, very wise, you know, have a conversation and ask them like, you know, what, what do you wish differently if you could be younger or, you know, go back in time. And it's almost every single one, they all say the same thing that they, they regret, they regret not going after their dreams. You don't put, don't, don't put yourself in that. Don't, you know, 
it was just that would be the horrible thing to know that you know you you ran out of time and you just never did it right so uh the third one know that you can literally learn anything okay it is scientifically proven that you can completely rewire and alter your brain so just keep that in mind too especially nowadays you know we literally have access to so many resources on the internet, you guys. It, you can literally learn anything on either Google or YouTube. And it's funny, people. it's almost like people kind of forget that we have access to all that. You know what I mean? Um, I, uh, I'm actually gonna pull this up. Uh, if you guys don't already, go follow, follow Tom Bilyeu. He is, oh, oh my God. He is one of my idols I look up to so much. He's absolutely amazing. Um, he, uh, he, ins- he just inspires me so much. He just actually posted something, and I'm going to read it to you guys. And it says, three important skills that school won't teach you. Number one, solution-oriented. Or- or- <laughs> Apparently, I can't read. Uh, mindset. If all you see are the problems and you can't click over into problem solving mode, you're doomed. Number two, emotional fortitude. If failure, embarrassment, and ridicule derail you emotionally, your progress will stall. (laughs) Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Apparently, I just can't read. Uh, number three, this is, this is the one that I was like, oh my gosh. Number three, how the brain really works. If you don't understand the biological realities of the brain, you'll never understand the mind if you don't understand the mind. You will forever remain its servant rather than the other way around. And I actually recently started getting into uh, neuroscience and neuropsychology and and studying about the brain and mind and it's just it's so fascinating to me um it's just you can literally literally rewire everything about yourself you can basically create a new person so whatever or whoever it is you want to be it is possible you guys you have so much power in you more than you even believe but you have to believe it So number, I'm going to go to the next one. Number four, this is big. This is huge. Okay. Expose yourself to different environments. Okay. If I didn't get myself out there, I wouldn't have learned about the real estate world. I grew up in a poor to middle-class lifestyle. Okay. I was on food stamps, cash aid and WIC. Okay. My family was in section eight housing. That was my goal. My goal was to have Section 8 housing because I thought that means you're living, right, (laughs) with the cheap rent. I was put on the waiting list, and I got actually got a call back a couple years ago, but by that time, I was already making too much money. But that's what I saw growing up. You know, my, my mom lived in a damn car shop. I wasn't born around that life. I wasn't born around that, that luxury. I wasn't just, it wasn't that type of life it was, I just wasn't around that. And so 
uh, I wasn't born around that type of lifestyle. So now, now I'm working for it. Now that's what I, I know what I want, but I wouldn't have known how that looked or felt if I didn't get around it. You're never going to find anything outside of yourself if you stay in what you know or is comfortable, which actually leads to my, my next point. Number five, find someone you admire or want to be like and get as close to them as you can. Get yourself around other people. Get yourself around people that you want to be. So let's just say you want to be a millionaire. Then you get around millionaires. You can't be what you can't see. Ask questions, study them, follow them, get weird and creepy, stalk them and get their social care. I'm just, I'm totally joking. But seriously, don't think it's weird to ask. Ask to intern with them. Ask to be their insistent. That is huge. And I'm dead serious. I, it, it may seem weird to the average person, but I promise you, if you just ask, you'll be surprised what they may say. Because, you know, 99% of the most successful people I've ever met has always been the most humble, nice, helpful, amazing human beings. Because they know, they understand They weren't always rich and successful. They didn't have anything at some point of their lives. That shit humbles you. The the ones that were born into into money, trust me, you will know because they'll be really shitty people and have their nose so far up their ass. And, And then, you know, when you do get close to the people that you look up to, and you and you see the process, you have to ask yourself, do you want that process? Do you want that journey? Because anything you end up choosing, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do too. That's in everything. But if you're not exposed to that world or whatever it is that you're trying to get into, how would you even know the possibilities? And what's you know the worst that can happen? They say no, you get rejected. Wouldn't you rather get rejected knowing that you tried than not getting rejected, wondering what if, you'll be surprised. Learn from them, study them. Uh, I'm just, I'm so thankful to be on the team that I'm on, voted number one on Zillow and number one in Orange County. Uh, That team is also my mentors. I'm very, very thankful. And get this, they don't hire new agents. They are number one for a reason and and need high producing agents to keep those numbers up. But it's because I knew someone that knew someone that put in a good word, which someone I wouldn't have ever met if I didn't expose myself. And they got me an interview, which I almost didn't go to, but I still went. I was honest and open and I was myself. And I said, basically, I said, look. I am a new agent with zero experience. However, I have the work ethic and drive you won't find anywhere else. I have common sense, which isn't very common. Working with people is pretty much part of my DNA. I basically have everything you can't teach, but I don't know crap about computers and all that Google Docs and Google Drive thing you just mentioned, I have never used, but I am willing to learn and I am extremely coachable. 
So the CEO said the only way that you could work with us is if you would assist one of our top producers that actually happens to be looking for someone because his coordinator went on maternity leave and it looks like she isn't coming back. So of course, without hesitation, I said, I am more than willing because learning how to do things the right way, learning from the best and actually being hands-on and not in a damn classroom means more to me than being a face of my own business. I know this will get me farther than most agents long-term in a shorter amount of time. You know, 87% of agents fail within their first five years of their career. I say it's the first year, to be honest, but because, you know, they go into this thinking it's easy money and it's not easy, guys. So I, I made another phone call and I was hired on the spot. And now I am surrounded by the real deal agents that close 30 to 50 deals a year each, each agent. And I get to experience, learn, and be consistently surrounded by them all day, every day, all because I took the chance and I tried it anyways. I am basically starting over and getting into a new career. And just like starting any new business, you need to start from the bottom, create a strong foundation, then work your way up. And not to mention the checks are pretty nice. <laughs> so the last thing, of course, I am, I got to throw this in. It's very extremely important. It's having gratitude. I know that sounds cliche, but gratitude should be at the core of everything because that's where happiness truly lies. Because as we're going through this journey, we're going to have bumps in the road. We're going to run into issues and problems. Things will never go your way entirely. You have to keep that gratitude alive at all times to keep you going and keep you grounded. Oh, or think about it this way. If you aren't thankful for what you have now, what makes you think God or the universe, whatever your beliefs are, is going to bless you with what you want or more of what you have? If anything, you're telling God, you know what? I'm not happy with what I have now, so I'm definitely not going to appreciate the blessings you have planned for me. <laughs> so that just, it doesn't make sense. Even to this day, it's still hard for me to put myself out there. I struggle with it daily. That is something that I am dealing with personally. And where does that come from? Lack of self-confidence. Worrying about what others may think of me. I'm being completely transparent with you guys. I know it's very, very common. You're definitely not alone in that. Just the other day, I already started questioning this podcast. Like, what am I doing? People don't care to listen. Like, who do I think I am? I'm not where I want to be yet. Who's going to listen to what I have to say, right? And and actually, it's kind of funny because I brought this up to my son and he's like, mom, you just started it and you haven't really done anything. <laughs> I'm like, damn, okay, child, shit. Uh, but he's right. 
you know, kids, kids know so much guys. I mean, listen more to them. Remember they're, they're the closest to how we need to be because it's before life gets to them. And I'm going to add one more thing. It's, it's honestly the beauty of self-awareness. It truly is. So when you're going through these moments or thoughts, you can, you know, get in the habit of catching yourself and learn to switch it off. All those voices in my head isn't me because I know my power. I know this is going to impact many people on a different level. And getting yourself around other people that is going to lift you back up when you need it. I, you know, broke down a couple days ago and I, I held it in at my desk and my, my partner felt my energy and he said, Hey, let's, let's step outside for a minute. <laughs> of course, the tears just started pouring out. He basically told me, you can't hold things in. You have us. And, you know, that's another thing I struggle with, with keeping everything in, you know, I'm so used to that, doing that for so long. I got, I got used to just wiping the tears and moving on. Um, again, that's, that comes from self-awareness, knowing, knowing what you need to work on, you know, and it's critical that you get around people that genuinely care and want to see you succeed. So like I mentioned before, we're taught as a child that we're basically, we need to know or have an idea of what or who we want to be. When people ask, you know, how do I find my passion? They ask it like it's something that, that you lost. Passion needs to be built. It's something you aren't born with. It's something you have to learn. It starts with an interest and then it's, and then it's something that you need to master first to know if you love it. And, and then you have to have the bravery and the courage and the hard work and grit to go out there and build it. Don't think because, you know, times get tough or hard that they say, oh, this isn't for me. And I'm going to use an old, old analogy. Um, when a baby is crawling and wants to learn how to walk, the baby gets up, tries and falls, tries again and falls again and again and again. The baby never thinks, oh, well, you know what? This isn't for me and gives up. Otherwise, you would see adults crawling around, right? That just doesn't happen. We're not born to give up. We just keep trying until we get it. All the shit in your head that is holding you back is everything from the external world, from your parents, your friends, your environment. It's not you. You're not born that way. But the, the ones that know this and still continue to push regardless are the ones that win. You have to take, you have to get honest and take accountability and decide to make a change. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Control what you can and let go of what you can't. So that's all for today, guys. Um, if you guys found any value in this, please, please, please share it with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you can please go to iTunes, rate and review. The more it gets shared, the more these messages will get to people that need to hear it. And also, you know, if you're listening to this and take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram stories, tag me so I can see it. And of course I repost everything that I see. And uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And um, I will catch you on the next one.